Hi, I'm Conor Gormley, and you're listening to the Pelador Podcast. Welcome back to the Pelador Podcast. Ross Trainer with you, and joining me as always is Michael Dunn. Michael Dunn, how are you? I'll go, Ross, and yourself. Good weekend. Good weekend it was quite enough it was a hurling weekend so there wasn't much football to be uh to be talked about but no harm having a breather considering the condensed amount of football we had in such a short space of time that's it absolutely did you do it yourself um i could tell you but i'd have to kill you so <laughs> oh dear oh dear <laughs> the less said the better hope you weren't breaking any restrictions now michael no, no i'm a good boy <laughs> anawa, anawa. Joining us this time round, we have Ross Common, Captain Enda Smith. Enda, how are you? I'm good, Ross. Uh, yeah, I suppose same as everyone at the moment, trying to trying to stay somewhat sane in the last few weeks with lockdown. But uh, yeah, other than that, keeping well, uh, trying to trying to be normal as I can, and um, I'll do all the small bits. But uh, no, all good. Good, glad to hear it. And how's the body after the the the, the I suppose condensed season really for everyone? You're yeah in good shape. Yeah, thankfully, um, no major injuries, nothing, nothing like that. Kind of got through the whole club thing and the and the county scene, um, relatively in- injury free. A few knocks here and there, but nothing major to keep me out of games or that. So, um, yeah, I had a few weeks break now after after the Mayo game, and yeah, looking back, looking forward to going back doing I suppose gyms and everything opening back in to do some some training and kind of back into a bit of normality. Yeah, and I suppose with the uncertainty, it's it's difficult to know. Or have you guys got a date as to when you might be able to go back in training? Yeah, we've kind of heard bits and pieces now. Um, like I heard there today that obviously it's going to be a split season, but they don't know whether they're going to start the club or the county. I heard today it's going to be the club because they were saying um, with restrictions on crowds not being, there won't be I suppose, a huge amount being, being let to games early in the year that it'll probably suit the sub games and then as the year goes on, hopefully um, it'll be a bit more loose and there'll be a bigger crowd less. So that'll obviously suit the county game more. So look, it's changing every day, to be honest. Um, hearing different things, but at the moment, having just no set date going back. So you're where we haven't been told with Scotland now or, or that when we're going back training as of yet. And how did you find the club split from the county this year? Um I know. I think I, I I thought it was brilliant. I think everyone everyone did. To be honest, I thought it was just you can just kind of focus on the one. You know, you're not being pulled. I, I used to hate when the club games were in April. You know, you were going hard in the league with with your county, and then you know whether you're promoted, relegated, or whatever stayed in the league, you're kind of not exhausted, but you're you know you're kind of a week or two off. It was always nice after the league to recharge the batteries, but then you were just being thrusted into club championships. And I suppose you're expected to be leading from the front in that regard as well for, for the whole month in terms of two or three championship games and the league game thrown in. And just I just found it, I don't know other people, but I myself I just used to find it kind of get going again, just to switch your focus was, was difficult. So I'm delighted they're separate. You just give 100% to both now and like no issues about crossing over and kind of having to peak for a club championship in April with your club and then having no game then for two months and then having to peak again come August. Like, it's, you think of it now, it's a bit crazy. So I'm delighted it's split. Well, look, here's hoping that they, they do continue to, to keep it split because I think it's a lot fairer on the on the club player that they, they have a, a defined season. Like, if you look at other sports, rugby and soccer, you know exactly when your season is, when it starts, when it ends. And 
you can book your life around you can have your go to your holidays and your weddings and the GAA for some reason have been behind on that one and you'd hope now with this you know almost blank canvas that they can they can sort of go right this is a more definition and I think it's a lot fair as I said it's like 98 percent Mm. our club players let's let's give them the advantage now yeah exactly it's, i can't imagine what it was like just to be a club player the last few years in terms of just planning and trying to organize like you said your life around it be between the difference in you don't know depending you're basically waiting on your county team when they're knocked out to basically decide your summer holidays and you know, people with families and trying to book a weekend away here and weddings and, and whatnot like it's like I said, it's crazy to think about it, that that's the way it was the last number of years. But hopefully now this split season kind of gives lads a window. All right, lads, we're going hard for six months and that's it. You can pull the six months off. It'll just be a, like lads will, I think you'll get more buy-in from club. You'll get more lads who maybe, who would have been often, who would have been kind of on the borderline of turning up for your club or not. It'll tell them, look, lads, I want you for six months now. You're here now. And it'll be a bigger incentive. and. I think it'll be best for all parties involved. Yeah, absolutely agree. The the, the number was this summer now across the across the country were huge. Any talk to any club person because the club player knew it's twelve weeks or it's fourteen weeks and yeah. you get buy in for them from the family or whatever else, and it's just an awful lot easier. But I suppose on reflection, end on your own uh, intercounty season, uh, league and championship, would you re- reflect that as progression this year? Um. I don't know, Ross. It's kind of a funny one. I suppose we've been in this position before where obviously promoted from Division 2, which is brilliant. Um, which, like, obviously, that was the name at the start of the year to get back to Division 1. We did that, which was great. But um, in terms of performances and kind of championship and that, we would have been obviously disappointed um, with the way the Mayo game went. Just um, We just thought we were very flat on the day. We never got going, never got to the pitch of the game. In fairness, Mayo, Mayo were quite good on the day themselves, but we would have felt that we just didn't perform. So it's hard to kind of divulge the season in terms of progression or not when we've been here before and when we've done this already before in terms of winning a Division 2 and getting to Division 1. Um, I'm not sure if it's, if it's progression or not. It's more, uh, probably a bit more stagnant than you would have liked. You would have kicked, you would have liked it kicked on after winning Division 2 to really get a good crack at the All-Ireland Championship and you know, obviously, great opportunity to get to an All Ireland semi final this year with, you know, with, with there being no Super Eights and no All Ireland quarter final. Um, that would have been an aim, really, to be honest. But to not get that and um would be would be a disappointment. So um, I can't, I don't think you can really say it. progression more so. Um, something would, that would have been expected, I think, of the group more so than progression. Like we would have expected to get out of Division Two and and that and give the give give a real good crack to the All Ireland Championship. But um disappointing the way it ended unfortunately just how important is division one football for us common and i mean you suppose you see this year especially with the likes of cavan and tipperary winning provincials people have this narrative that you need to be playing division one football to be kind of competing with the best teams but as you see this year it's kind of gone against the grain a little bit yeah um i still do think it's important to play in division one football i just just playing like i said the top teams week in week out it does improve yeah and no doubt like it's no coincidence two Connacht titles that we won, although we were relegated in those years, we were playing Division One football that year. Um, I just think, like like you said, like I said, playing the top teams, everything is so much quicker. You get punished for things. If you give away the ball, if something, you get punished and you're, it's a realisation of, 
geez, I need to get up to the standard here quick or I'm going to get left behind. I think that's the biggest, the biggest realization take from it. Whereas Division 2 slash 3, um, like, there's obviously more leeway in terms of you, you don't get punished as much. Without question, you don't get punished as much for turnovers, for mistakes. Um, the pace of the game is more kind of suited to I wouldn't say club level, it's, it's, a lot, it's higher than club level, but it's it's not near the division a division one league game. Um, so in terms of playing division one football, it's it is important. But I, I know what you're saying with regards to having Tipperary this year. But I suppose in any normal year, you would have had the likes of Tyro, you would have had the likes of Donegal, and um, and Kerry coming back into the championship somewhere that probably could have met Cavan and Tipperary again in some stage in a quarter final or a Super Eight, and it mightn't be as you know. It's just I think the one off game this year. Was brilliant in terms of that it just knocked and it gave the underdog a real opportunity but I think any other year that I said Donegal and Kerry came back into the fold and if they met them teams again in a Super 8 it, it could have been different but um, to answer your question I think Division 1 football does, does make a lot of improvements for teams and, and players alike You just mentioned obviously there the championship this year having a different format is that something that could be there longer term I don't know with a couple of tweaks here and there maybe more games in the league or something or what would your thoughts on that be? Um, yeah, well, I'd, I'd definitely be a fan of um, where like I think the quarterfinal is still important. I still think it should be a, a quarterfinal. Probably go back to the way it was maybe from 2017, 2016, before the Super 8. I don't think the Super 8, whereas as a spectacle for fans, they were good. You know, there was three weekends in July. You're guaranteed, you know, six or whatever, eight quality games. And as a fan, you'd be looking forward to it. No doubt I can get that. But, the times I think like just the dead rubbers but like we played in two dead rubber games two years in a row and training in between those two weeks we're just knowing that you're out it's just it's a bit of a strain it's, like, it's not that you don't want to do it or that but it's just like I don't think there's a need for it um, I think also the quarter like a straight quarter final gives a, gives a better chance to the likes of a Tipperary and Cavan who won this year a better chance to get to the semi-final like they did with Tipperary in 2016 Whereas the Super 8, like having to beat, let's say in our position, we would have to bet Tyrone and Dublin last year to get to an All-Ireland semi-final, two of the top three or four teams. Like it's, it's a difficult task. And if it was this year, if you had Tipperary in that group with Dublin, Tyrone and Cork, you know, it would have been very tough for the underdog for the Division 2 or Division 3 team to really get to an All-Ireland semi-final. So um, in terms of the format, I, I would... I'm happy to see the Super 8 scrapped. I think they're gone next year. And happy to see um, just a normal kind of straight shootout quarterfinal on the day. Um, team, team wins into the semi, yeah. I think that would be a very popular opinion, to be honest, and around the, the football community to get rid of the, the Super 8s for mm. exactly those reasons that you highlighted, to be honest. And look, by all means, have a have a back door, but let's have quarterfinals. Let's, let's not drag out, like you said, those dead rubbers because they're they're... They're no use to anybody, even the they're, not, the no. they're, they're, they're pointless. Yeah, yeah, they are pointless. And look, like I said, you just you, you don't get that surprise factor then, and in all Ireland semi-finals, you know, you get the kind of four teams who are most consistent, who are I think it's been all Division One teams really in the all Ireland semi-finals last two years in Super Eight. So that just shows you it's teams who who um kind of the so-called bigger teams who are, who are constantly getting there. So um yeah, look, I'd be. Happy, I think, I think there's still room for provincials, but in terms of Super 8, I'd be happy to see them go. 
And you, you touched on it earlier on about uh, how important Division One football is for Roscommon. How far away, I suppose, and there is probably three or four teams in this category, are Roscommon from being a kind of a, an almost a yo-yo team that seem to be going between the two divisions? And I said there's probably three or four or five teams in that, in that category. Yeah, look, we're, I suppose, in terms of getting consistency and um, just getting to a level of performance every week, I don't think we're quite there yet. And that has showed. Um, I don't think we're a million miles off. I still, I still I firmly believe we, we do deserve to be in Division 1. Um, I still think we're like, we are top seven eight team. It's like it's our performances in championship have showed that between winning a couple of conic titles and being in Super Eight the last three years four years in a row I think seventeen eighteen and seventeen eighteen nineteen three years that we've been in quarterfinals. So um, I think we're well merited to be there. But just to get to that extra step, like you said, there's just that bit of consistency that we're probably just missing out of our game at the moment. Um, kind of hard to figure out what it is. It's, uh, that's the million dollar question I suppose you know from ourselves internally wondering but um, I don't think we're we're definitely closer than we were when I started the, the journey about five or six when I joined the team eight years ago and um, we were kind of slugging division three kind of we were a middle of the road team so I think we're definitely closer than that but um, still quite a bit to go to maybe break an All-Ireland semi-final barrier um, just yet and is that maybe down to I know you're saying players probably internally lack concentration, but is there is there the structures in Roscommon now that you have that sort of conveyor belt coming through? Like I look at certain teams, and certain teams they don't need to be winning minors, they don't need to be winning twenties. They just need two players every year, three players every year to come through and and, and add to the add to the panel. Then, yeah, um, I suppose. I'd say that's definitely for the bigger teams, like the Dublin carries, like they who who be who be performing every year, who be there thereabouts every every championship we play. But I think like for Salmon, I think we're very cyclical in that. I'd say we win our kind of titles generally once every ten years. You know, we won early nineties, early two thousand, two thousand ten. I know we've won two now the last few years, but that's that's rare for us. But I think um the panel is kind of based off. And kind of a few successful minor and 21 teams that got that won a few kind of titles that got to a few all Ireland finals and um, so that's the kind of core of the panel at the moment so that's where we're kind of feeding off at the moment and um, in terms of I think the like us we kind of probably need that we need that kind of crop of players every now and then because we probably don't um like we obviously don't have the pool of players other counties bigger counties have where only about 50 60 thousand people in the county but and um, for us, it's we're probably relying on a good crop every seven, eight, nine years to be the bulk of the team, and um, for a number of years, and you're kind of draining the same players every year. I think if you look at Monaghan, they're a good example of it. Who you could nearly name seven, eight, and seven, eight or nine Monaghan players off the bat straight away. You know, because they've just been there. They're churning. Like they might be getting one or two from minor panels, but they're just not breaking through yet. Whereas Dublin, you'll have Dublin who will be breaking through. We're kind of similar to that. You could kind of you'd know us with seven, eight players who will be year in, year out, they'll be there. But um, and it just takes a, I'd say a good crop of miners to come in and break that. But um, in terms of ourselves, it's, it's just taking that bit of time to kind of mold it all together. And, you know, we've been missing a few players here and there, year in, year out, for different reasons, travelling and lads stepping away. And that doesn't help us either. But... Um, I think we need to uh, 
kind of if we can get kind of hold on to that bunch of crew of players, um, definitely an opportunity to hopefully kind of break down that barrier of progressing to the to the next level. I'm going to take you back, Enda, to your your Sigerson Cup days, um, in DCU. Mm-hmm. What was that like? We've heard other players come in and, and tell us how and basically tell us how phenomenal the, the facilities and the other players are in DCU. What was the experience like for you? Yeah, look, this series in football, without doubt, I'd say <clears throat> one of the most enjoyable, enjoyable football I've ever played in terms of training, in terms of games, in terms of players you're playing with, in terms of just the fun you had. It's just, it's nothing that I know, like the play that just tops it. I think, that's to be honest, we, um, we were lucky with a good crew of players in 2014, 2015. Really good players from all over the place. And but we enjoyed it as well. Like we weren't, you know, there's always this perception of um there was of anyway at DCU and that's all this it must be training five or six times a week. They're in the gym every morning and just rubbish like that. It never was the case. Honest to God, we we train Monday, Wednesdays, uh, evenings, twice a week, all ball, like strictly all ball, never slugged, and so enjoyable. You have 30, 35 lads there. Bear in mind, obviously, all quality footballers now, mind you, which does help. And played games, did league games up to Christmas. Won the league, actually, that year as well. Had great crack. You know, you have your camaraderie built kind of on the way home from them league games, coming back from the north, stopping in different places on the way back, going out then in Dublin. And that's how, and it was nights like that that kind of made the team that year because we had a very difficult um, Sigerson kind of run. We played Jordanstown up in Jordanstown in the first game, and like that was a team that involved, I think their forward line alone was Killian Clare or Killian O'Connor, Paddy McBrearty, Karen Hughes, Ron O'Neill, did Maddie Donnelly, Killian Clark, Rory Began. I was just seven or eight of those players straight away. Like, so we were like, we were up against it first of all, but we won that game, and that just kind of kicked us on then and we had another tough game up in Belfast against St Mary's which went to extra time and the weekend then itself was, was brilliant down in Cork a semi-final we played UCD got a last second goal to win it and then won the final then against UCC in extra time uh, with the last kind of last kick of a game as well Like so we did, we did it the hard way but it was the most like I said the most enjoyable six, seven months that we had and we still like lads are still meet up with from different counties when we play against them like there's that initial just bond straight away that you'd be chatting to them and you'd always remember you'd have different memories popping up on your phone on your Snapchat every now and then remembering it and uh, yeah it's brilliant I couldn't couldn't encourage enough people to, to play it if they have a chance With the, the obviously hopefully new structure is there more room in the calendar for college football because it seems to be just condensed into such a small tiny window and even at that county managers are sometimes reluctant to release some of their players or they might give them a you know might give a phone call or a text that might dissuade them from playing yeah yeah i've been in that position myself many a time with managers you know just if you play this you will not play the weekend kind of rubbish but uh we um yeah we were i think there has to be a, a time for it i think really does there if it's split, if they say what they're saying, so if they play inter-county from February to July and they, and they play your club then from July to whenever you get knocked out, maybe September, October, like there's two or three months there from October to December, maybe January to easily play. It's an easy run it off. It's, 
you know, Sigerson contains maybe, I think, eight or ten teams, maybe 12 max. So you'd easily run it off three or four weeks. And, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I'd be, I'd be shocked if it wasn't in the calendar, to be honest. Well, I hope it is. And it's remarkable the amount of players who played <clears throat> both Fitzgibbon and Sigerson that have said exactly what you said. They beam about it. They just love yeah. it. They just love the not only the, the camaraderie and the crack, but like the learnings you get from other counties and other players and what they do. And it's just, it's, it can only be helpful for the, the bigger tree of the GAA of the inter-county game. If, if the third level colleges are getting that better exposure and some of the standard, like if you watch even the all or the, sorry, the Sigerson cup finals, the standard is unbelievable. Like, Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably, it's a level, it's probably, it's below inter-county obviously, but it's, it's, it's above club level in terms of maybe 12, 12 or 13 county players in each team, senior players playing against each other, you know, and it's spreading it's total football. It's like it was never played, like it was never a defensive system. It was out and play very much 15 15. And it's, it's, it's hostile in terms of when you're going up to play, you know, the subs, you have about 30 subs on the sideline as well, and they're all getting involved in it. And the ref is getting the dog's abuse from everyone. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's a real, if you like the smallest thing, get a turnover. You know, you're, it's just wild. You know, you swear you won the All-Ireland, you know, with the excitement of it. You know, that's what it's like. But it's, there's nothing like it. Honestly, there's, there's nothing like it. And then enjoyment and, like you said, the learnings you get from playing with lads in different counties is invaluable. And you just pick up things. And like you said, you'll have that in 30, 40 years' time when you meet each other. And we'll talk about the figures. And, like, you know, we, 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 we will. That's a fact. And, um, yeah, so I can't. Can't sing, sing a phrase is enough. Well, whoever is sponsoring the Sigerson for next year, if they don't have you on the ads, they're missing. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, I did want to know this is yeah, three or three or four years playing it now. This <laughs> come here, I suppose that led into um, I'm gonna skip on a few years to the 2017 uh, title you touched on it earlier on 2010 since since Roscommon at last won it, um, a seven year wait, but I suppose it had been seven years in the making, but. It wasn't necessarily a surprise that you won. Is it a good team built by that stage? Yeah, we did. We um, we had a, I suppose we had a couple of years Division One under our belt, albeit relegated in 2017. But like I said, a good core group of lads there who who we'd, we'd lost it. We'd lost it the kind of final in 2016 to Galway, and um, I suppose knew like we'd beat them in the semi final, got over them, and. Knew we'd be underdogs coming in. Galway just beating Mayo again. Um, but yeah, I just remembered like we three or three weeks build up to it, and it was all the talk was about Galway. It was just about particularly or even around the middle. Um, I was in field with Tiger Rourke, and you know we were it was all about Galway and how they dominated the field and how they dominated kind of the half back line and all that. And that was what you were hearing for four or five weeks. But in fairness to Kevin. McStay and Lee McHale and the lads, they, you know, they really, like, they gave us so, like, so much belief. I must say, like, if I knew week ten days, two weeks before we were going to win that kind of final, like, there's no doubt in my mind that's the kind of belief we had. Um, obviously you have to have all your, um, boxes ticked as well. But I was so sure just from what they were saying and from what we had done and the work we had done that, um. We were we were going to we were going to win it and yeah it just turned out like it was on the day I still remember it was just brilliant it was um crowd was on our back from the 
from the get-go, we, we started off quite well and managed, despite Galway having a bit of a patch in the second half, and they came back at us and we, um, we held on and ended up winning by nine in the end, which was quite comfortable in, in any game, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was kind of his first kind of experience, really big senior win. And um, it was, yeah, it was brilliant, great memories from it now. And I think everyone remember the scenes uh, at the full-time whistle. The place went fucking bonkers. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's just, I think that's what you get with Roscommon fans. Yeah, know, <laughs> you know, seen it last year after the game in Gola last year. Similar scene. But like I said, it was seven years. And the last one, so yeah, they were building up for it for a while, I suppose. And yeah, literally the second whistle gone, you're just swamped by people and and two or three or four minutes that you're there are just a complete blur until you get into the dressing room and you're actually with the with the lads again. Um, so yeah, it's uh, like it's great memories. It's, to be honest, it really is. I think it was it was played over the summer there when COVID was on that final and even just chatting lads in WhatsApp groups or whatever, just chatting them was uh, you know we just kind of smiling at it. Like that was brilliant, wasn't it? You know that kind of just reminiscing on it. So. Um, yeah, definitely one of the good days out there. And you've had some serious battles over the years, but I always remember that 2017 game uh, against Mayo in the quarterfinals when you're marking Lee Keegan. That was some battle between the two of you. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, Keegan, I suppose, came out on the field for me that game. And um, yeah, it was, it was our first quarterfinal um, for a lot of us. And you know, we started so well that day, didn't we? We really did. We got a couple of Kieran Martin got a goal and Fintan Craig got a goal and I started off okay myself. I kicked a point and then yeah, I just Mayo had to turn the screw. I suppose all their experience kind of kicked in. So probably um, my own my own side is possibly a bit naive just um, in terms of you know didn't kind of get the grips with it enough. And Keegan did kind of he was reigning footballer of the year. I knew how good he was obviously and um, he really got kind of. He really drove Mayo on, um, that first half in particular. Um, he really did. He really kind of got them back into the game, which um, which is obviously disappointing from our side and my own personal point of view. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a great battle. And even even the second half when I moved inside, you know, we did a, we did a good old ding-dong battle in there as well. And um, yeah, just one, probably one that you kind of think about at times that, Jesus, we got over that, you know, would have been, <laughs> been great. And all that in semi-final against Kerry. I think then was, was the next show in town. So um, yeah, it's great. Like like I said, a great battle, and just we kind of snuck it. We got a draw at the end, um, last minute free, and um, yeah, one that one that you kind of think of Jesus. We just held on to the good start. It could have could have been different, but that's worry. I suppose just on Keegan there as well. He's not shy of a few dirty tactics. I mean, was he trying them on you that day as well? <laughs> yeah, ah, look, that's what you get from from me. In fairness, you know, he's he's. He's not the best. He wasn't footballer of the year in 2016 for no reason. Like he, he, he um, that's what he brings to his game. He's seriously aggressive. Fairness within nothing, nothing out of the ordinary within the rules. I think, um, you know, it's just really front on. He really mans you up. Like he, he, his job, like the goal, the ball could be 30 yards that way, and he's not looking at the ball. He's just focused. He was given a job. He's marking you, um, like wherever you go. Like he's, he's following you, and that's the way he is. And then like he looks to put you in the back foot then when, when Mayo won the ball and then you end up you're kinda of ended up chasing him. And that's what he wants. That's what Mayo wants. And fairness mm. that day, particularly the first half, you know, I just found myself probably in between two two stools 
to be honest, in terms of um, trying to get forward and support lads, but then having to chase him down the pitch as well and probably didn't get have the required impact that I would have liked on, on that game. Um, but yeah, look, that's, that's part and parcel of it. That's just the way things are going. You know, you get, you get these um, people marking you and they do whatever they got to do to stop you, I suppose. And uh, we'd be no different. We'd like to think that some of our guys, our defenders, would be similar to, to other players and other teams. So, yeah, no, you just got to deal with it and try and influence the game in, in other ways. And it was, it was probably a compliment to yourself that they put uh, Lee on you because you were obviously flying that year. 2017 was probably one of your best years in Common Jersey. Would you agree with that? Ah, yeah, without doubt. Yeah, I suppose it, it did go well. Um, from I thought, even though, like I said, we were relegated in the league, I was happy with my own performances. A lot of the time, we're getting well bet, but I thought I was doing okay for the team. Championship, we had a long, long, long wait for championship that year. We had, we had 11 weeks layoff for championship. And... Um, with a lot of a lot of time to train, obviously, and uh, kind of get yourself ready for the championship. And like I said, we took we, we beat Leitrim kind of middle to end of June. Um, did did well that day, and then obviously the kind of final went extremely well. Um, for myself personally, and obviously the team, and yeah, I just kind of kicked on from there. Um, I was lucky to get an kind of all star nominee that year, and it was one of my definitely better better years. And um, something that you always kind of look back to. Thinking like, what did you do that year? That was so different. But it was just um, the like, team and the management. Oh, like, oh, it's hard to play in that. I think as well. That's just your yourself. So, um, but it's something that, like, yeah, you, you do try and look back to saying, what did you do that year? That kind of made it all made it all tick. Absolutely, and sure, look, you got into the international rules team as well. It's just is no mean feat at the same time. I suppose uh, one thing very interesting there you, you pointed out about uh, the belief you had leading into the Galway game. You were sort of going, 10 days out, we knew, we knew. What's the difference between knowing that versus Galway and knowing that versus or trying to know that versus a, maybe a Dublin or a Kerry or a Tyrone? Is, is there a difference or is it just that you maybe subconsciously know that you're probably just one step behind them at the minute and you're, you're not maybe there or is it? am I completely being wrong here? Um. Yeah, I know it's a fair enough question. I think, I think no matter what game you win to, let's say, um, any game we would win into, let's say, Super 8 last year against Dublin, you know, the Thursday night before that, you know, we trained, we would train all week or whatever. I know we'd, we'd lost to Tyrone the week before, so we were a bit deflated, but like, still leaving training that Thursday night, you're confident that you've boxed the tick, that if you're study done on Dublin, that you're going to, you're going to be ready for them. And, then Dublin come out and just tear you asunder for, 20, for the first 20 minutes and you're lost at sea and you're wondering what's going on here. And sometimes, and then you're, I suppose after that game, you're reflecting, Jesus, I totally deluded in of how close we are or did we prepare at all? Did we prepare well at all today? That's that's the kind of your initial thought. But um, I think it's, it's it comes down to, I suppose, studying the other team is a lot of it I think and knowing kind of their strengths and knowing that we have the players or personnel to be able to deal with them I think that's that's a lot of it that kind of gives you a lot of confidence that you're seeing these teams make these mistakes that um, not that you make at times but definitely that they're human I think you know that they're not super super superheroes you know these guys are human if you get at them they will make mistakes if you put these guys on the back foot they will make mistakes and that's that was the kind of feeling going into that I suppose Galway game in 2017 and 
in fairness, it is when you have your, like I said, when you have your work done, that's what you're thinking to put these guys in the back foot, but it just doesn't happen like that. You know, you put, for instance, Dublin, you might put Paul Mannion, Conor Callahan, and McCaffrey on the back foot, but then Fenton and Kilkenny would pop up and start playing hell, and then you're wondering, like, where do you go here? You know, that's just the way it is. The top teams have so many go-to men, I think. Um, whereas maybe in the, the other teams, you can pinpoint two or three lads. If you keep them quiet today, we'll be okay. And when they're not in the game, it gives the whole team energy then that we're keeping these guys out of the game. Whereas with the bigger teams, there's so many lads that can turn it on and that you need to keep quiet. You, I can, you need a lot of things to go well for you on the day. And um, I think that's a, that's a big part of it as well, um, where where you know you have your job done on, on certain players. But then, like I said, the carries Dublin all these teams have two other guys who can kick four or five points in play and you're, you're six points down after keeping guys who you thought would be due to, due to damage and you're doing well on them, yet you're still six or seven points down and you're just wondering, like, where do you, where do you go from here, I think? Yeah, they seem to have that effect where they can just leave you spinning at times going, which way is up? Um, it's, it's, and no one seems to be able to pinpoint what it is like this is like yeah. it, 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 everyone yeah. still has that what is it like it is yeah it is like it's like a bit been there like last year obviously um year before we played them in a dead rubber but it was similar once they get a run on you and it's very hard to stop it's granite and we um like i said leaving training that week last year confident and you know right few things on our side didn't go well. We lost a couple of lads in early through or in the warm-up or that sorry that morning through sickness and that throws you a small bit not saying it's be all and end all but small things like that happen which don't help and then Dublin get an early goal and suddenly there's the hailer going wild and you can't get your kick out off and then they get it turns into what was a two point game, it turns into a seven point game after then getting a one two or one three in a, you know what I mean? It just Mm. Just turns like that, it really does, and you're caught in the crossfire. And you're, um, look, it's not, it's not a good, nice place to be, to be honest. It's, it's the worst place to be in the world when you're kind of getting overran and you're getting well bet in, in the game. And there's you're looking for solutions, but they're just popping up everywhere. It just feels like they have 16, 17 men on the pitch at times, and um, yeah, but it's something you just gotta, um, that's kind of level you gotta get to and realize that you know, they're the. They're the pinnacle now, and they're they're setting the bar, and there's teams we just have to catch up to them. You know, really, really, and truly, you just got to get to that level. That's it. No complaints. You mentioned the hill there, and uh, and I suppose people bring this up with uh, in relation to Dublin. Is would you find even playing against them that Crow Park is a is a complete disadvantage to opposition teams when they're coming up against Dublin? It's a trick question now, is it? <laughs> no, it is a uh, um. Uh, Look, I think if you play Dublin anywhere, it's going to be tough. Regardless, it is. It's going to be tough. But, but it makes it even harder, does it? <laughs> probably does. Look at look at it. are killing them here with these questions. It's, it's, uh, look, it's, it's tough. It's no doubt. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, they're used to playing. Like if you're used to playing somewhere, if you're week in, week out. Like you're playing. Like they're playing there. Minimum, probably seven, eight times a year. Every anyway, minimum probably Dublin are there, probably more. And if you're playing there all the time, it does help. Like, you know, you know yourself, if you're playing for your own clubs, you like playing in your home pitch. You know, you do. You do like playing it. You're just, you're more at home there. Um, it probably does 
helps them a bit, but I'm not saying if we brought them somewhere else that there'd be a different outcome, you'd like to think so, but it's, it's not as simple as that. Like, go Park, if I was playing an Ireland semi-final against Dublin, I wouldn't want it to be anywhere but Crow Park. Do you know, that's where you want to play. 50,000, 60,000 people, whatever, and would be there, you know, bring it on and have a cut at them. But um, I can't say for definite it makes a huge difference. Maybe it does. No, I, I suppose just asking there, because obviously there was a talk last week about Cavan trying to get the game out of Crow Park, but then they come out and said that they want to play in Crow Park. And you've answered the question yourself, you'd rather in a big game like that actually play them in Crow Park yeah. than anywhere else. Yeah, for sure, definitely, absolutely. Um, I think all Ireland semi-finals, finals, definitely should be Crow Park. I think maybe if you're looking at provincial, or sorry, if you're looking at all Ireland quarterfinals, I definitely, um, I definitely think provincial winners should be probably rewarded for that. I don't think provincial winners are probably awarded enough for, um, for winning the winning the province. I think if it was a carrot of winning your province that you got a home quarterfinal, wouldn't that be brilliant? If you know, if we were lucky to win a, another kind of tidy, bringing a quarterfinal, bringing some team to Roscommon on a Saturday evening. If Pat Garrett Roscommon, it would be unbelievable. There's no chance to get into the last four. I think there should be some some, some kind of carrot for winning your, your provincial. Um, but I think semis and finals, no question, should be should be in HQ, yeah. Well, like, make no bones about it. I'd say this Dublin team, the players I'm talking about, would play anywhere. They play in the car park. But the GAA know how much... Dublin is worth to them. So they'll happily play them in Crow Park and get 40, 50,000 every time. But I think from a, from a player's point of view, they'd play anywhere because I think they, they're sort of that team that want a challenge. They're happy to to play anywhere. I just, I, I get yeah, that feeling. Do. Of course, of course. And I don't think, you know, you hear a lot about Dublin and the money that they have and all this. Like, but I think they're over totally overlooking the quality of player they have, really. It's kind of a disservice to the quality of players they have. You know, they've, they can't, you know, like they're putting in obviously huge work, huge efforts. And, you know, when you hear money, I'd say that when, when they hear money, it definitely, I'd say it spurs them on. Like, I'd say it definitely gives them a bit of motivation. Like, you can't, you can't fundraise the likes of a Brian Fenton, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he is just a quality player and he, um, he, he, he turns in week in, week out. Like, I don't think that's anything to do with money. And you might talk, you know, you see the likes of even Limerick hurlers that they did, probably one of the richest men in Ireland back in them, you know? So, Kerry, like, Kerry have plenty of money. They have a lot of people in from, I think, America is where they get a lot of their support from, you know? So, the money is there. Teams, teams are going well. I think the money is there in every county. You know, if, if any team would going well, like they would, I don't think they'd be left short. And, but in terms of you have to look at like the population of Dublin. You know, they've obviously more people, more playing members. So you have to you have to see where obviously they do need probably a bit more money than like there were a scammer who only sixty thousand people. You know, they need more money to support to pay for these coaches or in underage and in school. So I think that's where the argument is. But I think people kind of lose sight of um, probably the quality of player that they do actually have. And I'm def- I think it definitely spurs them on as well. You know, definitely people like they could be talking in their own puddles or whatever that like, they think we won this because of money you know let's, talk, like, let's show them how good we are basically and yeah. definitely adds them to well the, the distribution of funds is a whole other debate and we could spend another oh, hour yeah. or, or on that yeah. so let's let's steer well clear of that one it's probably above our pay grade yeah yeah definitely Wait to me, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pin you down now there's three remaining games in the football calendar for this year 
the two or the two semi-finals and the final. I'm gonna get you to put your neck on the on the line here and uh, and call them for us. Right. Uh, we'll start off with the Dublin Cavan Saturday evening. Um, I can't look beyond Dublin to be honest. I really can't. I know. I I thought saying that I did think Donegal would beat Cavan. I thought that was going to be um, last week's provincial finals on the Sunday. I thought the Donegal Cavan. Although I think I I thought like I thought Donegal would beat them comfortably. I did. I really did. I, I thought they beat them by six or seven, maybe more. Um, but the fairness, Cavan dug it out and more than deserved their victory. They were excellent. But I just think Dublin, Crow Park again, <laughs> uh, will be just a bit, uh, will be too much for my, yeah, Dublin, I think, will win this. Dublin will win it anyway. Comfortably enough, I think, I'm afraid. Um, well, so, and then, and, uh, are you going for your, uh, your Connacht brethren, or are you going for the the Tipperary fairy story? Yeah, and this will be a, this will be a tough one now. This will be, I think, like people are obviously sipping Mayo to win it, which is fair enough. But it'll be tighter than you think. I think, I think Tipperary, the quality of player they have, you know, very much off the cuff. A lot of the Tipperary players, there's no fear in them, and although it's a tough tough one to call, I do think Mayo just probably have the experience just to see it over the line. But it will be no more than one to three points. I think the Tipperary will be right there. The Tipperary, like obviously, we're raiding the big boost to have playing for them. Kind of got the go ahead this week. And like Sweeney, Quinlevin are top quality. Like Stephen O'Brien around the middle is a, is a, is a dog. Like he really is a dog. I played him in college. He, he'll love nothing more than being written off the weekend. And he'll love it. He, I can just see him now. He'll absolutely <laughs> love it. And, um, like at the back then, you know, Robbie Kiley has been solid at the back. Bill Maher at wing back is good. Like a lot of just these, a lot of really, really good players that probably not that aren't known nationally, but they're really good. And I think next Sunday you'll see that probably Mayo just about, like like I said, just about one to three points max. He's nearly had me convinced Tipper going to win there. And uh... <laughs> no, I stick with the Connacht, uh, Connacht neighbours and. Oh. Uh, into the final though, Dublin Mayo, Dublin Mayo is are Mayo going to be such a such a twenty twenty thing if Mayo win their first one since nineteen fifty nine and they can't even celebrate it or only fifty one and not even celebrate it? Yeah, um, it'd be some story, wouldn't it? You just have to cordon them off the whole county for a month <laughs> or something, wouldn't you? It's a wild. Um, yeah, I know if it's Dublin Mayo, it's a Dublin win for me again, and you're looking at I think five or six plus anyway. I think they're just so far ahead at the moment. Um, That's convincing. The, the change in management really hasn't seemed to throw them really at all. They're still churning out players like every year. They just turn out like they've turned out Sean Bugler now this year. Like last year, they're like last few years, they're turning out Conal Callahan and Howard. Then they're churning out Scully and someone else. They're just throwing these lads out and they look ready for senior. I think like the Bugler might have been in the squad the last couple of years, but they didn't play him probably purposely. They're setting him up, they're building him up, they're getting him into the physique needed. And he looks like he's only 20, 21, probably 22 max. And he looks like he's a seasoned pro out there at the moment, the way he's playing. Like he's, like he's, he's excellent. And, you, and when you think of Dublin and you're going kind of setting your matchups, you wouldn't even think of him because there's so many other players to go to. Like he could, he could be marking someone that you know, that mightn't be perceived as a strong defender on another team and he could cause havoc because 
maybe Kieran Kilkenny and Mannion, this is kind of my point I made earlier, you might shut down two or three, but then Bugler will chip in with one, two, one, three, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you're down by a few points. So I just think, yeah, Dublin, they're not going to be stopped um, at this year anyway. You, you played against the Mayo team, obviously, this year and then a team a couple of years ago that would have been up in the battles against Dublin. Um, how far away are, is this Mayo team from being as good as maybe they were a couple of years ago? Um, probably, they're a bit off probably being as good as they were a couple of years ago. I think they were probably peak, probably 13 to 16, 13 to 17, then three or four years. They were they were excellent. They were, you know, they were just so good, so athletic, a lot of good ball players. Um, and you can see this year, like a lot of them have haven't really played much. You know the names you kind of associate with Mayo: Boyle, Harrison, Higgins, Shamie O'Shea. Like there's been no sign of them really. I know Higgins came on the last day, but not for long. And it's it is a total rebuild, so I think they're still a bit away from that level in terms of um like that level they were at was obviously just a level at Dublin, basically a level below Dublin beside Dublin. Um, so they're probably a bit off that yet but if they keep churning the wind, them out the likes of obviously Owen McLaughlin and Tommy Conroy and, and these lads um, it won't be long I'm sure till they're, till they're back up again as long as they can hold on to the likes of both Keegan O'Shea Keegan O'Connor for another few years he can get a few more years out of them which they should them lads are only in early 30s and Enda Smith Captain of Roscommon you've been great with your time Thank you very much. Water lads, thanks. Enjoy this. Cheers.